0: Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla.
1: Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla, and we are thankful you've decided to spend some time with us today. As we get into the month of November, a month of gratitude, I want to tell you about something for which I am grateful these days. As many of you know, Beeson believes in life together, incarnational theological education. We value community and relationships. With the help of the Lilly Endowment and our thriving pastors initiative, we've established this semester three new alumni fellowships here in Birmingham, in Nashville, and in Atlanta. Each fellowship has now hosted an inaugural gathering of alumni in their regions. The day this episode airs, we'll also be wrapping up our second annual alumni conference here at Beeson. The next week we're in Denver for the Evangelical Theological Society's annual meeting, and we'll host an alumni dinner there for those involved in that conference. We are committed more than ever to doing life together with alumni. So if you are an alum listening to me right now, We hope you'll join us at one of our upcoming gatherings and reach out to us here in Birmingham when you can. We would love to stay in touch. Today's guest on the podcast preached in chapel earlier today. He is a beloved senior pastor serving in Pensacola, Florida. He is a prominent Southern Baptist and a friend of Beeson Divinity School. We want to let you know a little bit about his life and ministry. So, Kristen, would you please introduce him to us?
2: Sure will. Thank you, Doug. And hello listeners. Today we have on the show the Reverend Dr. Ted Trailer. He is the senior pastor of Olive Baptist Church in Pensacola, Florida. We're going to ask him some questions about his ministry and this church, but first let me just say a word of welcome to you, Dr. Trailer. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you. My honor and joy to be here.
2: Well, it's so nice to meet you and um, to make a new friend. We always like to begin these shows by allowing our guests to introduce themselves more personally and fully. So I wonder if you could tell us uh, where you are from, any word about your family and your Journey to Faith in Jesus Christ.
0: Certainly. Uh, I was born in Detroit, Michigan. You can tell by my accent. Uh, (laughs) But my dad had gotten out of World War II, married, and he and mother moved to get jobs in Detroit. I was born there in 53. But as a second grader, we moved back to rural northeast Alabama, which was home for both of them and was then for me, a little town called Pisgah, Alabama. And so I grew up there. I'm an only child. Came to faith in Christ in Vacation Bible School on a Thursday when my dear pastor, uh, Pastor Nolan Ford, spoke to me about the gospel presented. Then afterwards, he uh, talked to me a little bit, and uh, I went home, thought through, talked to my parents. Then the next day, I was the first of 16 to go forward at the time of appeal and gave my heart and life unto Christ and grew up there. My mom and daddy ran a grocery store. Everything I know about pastoring a church, I I learned it in a grocery store. And uh, uh, if you can run a grocery store, you can pastor a Baptist church. That's (laughs) what I have jokingly told people. My mother's my first seminary professor and uh, she trained me up, she and dad, in in a lot of ways. And so that is my family. Uh, Met my wife here at Samford and we married in 1976. And we have uh, two children, my daughter, Rachel. Uh, She's married to Brad, and she and Brad have our two grandchildren, Catherine and Elizabeth. They're nine and seven. And then my son is single, lives in Pensacola, and works for the state attorney's office as a prosecutor in the first district in Pensacola. And so uh, that's kind of our family and uh, where we are right now in Pensacola and been at Olive Church 32 years as the pastor.
1: Mm, Wonderful. Dr. Traylor, you've already mentioned that you're a Sanford alumnus. I happen to know, after Sanford, you also attended Southwestern Seminary, did a Master of Divinity and a doctorate there. But by the time you did that, you'd been active in ministry for some time. Can you tell our audience just a little bit about your call into pastoral ministry and your early history as a minister of the gospel?
0: Well, I, I grew up late 60s, 70s. The Jesus movement was uh, really rolling across America, coming from California, to the Kentucky Appalachian and down. And we had a move of God in, in our area in North Alabama. I remember the day my high school basketball coach stopped in class. He taught civics and he closed his civics book and he got out his Bible and he said, we'll get to civics in a moment, but we've got to talk about what God's doing on this campus. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if he did that today, put him under the jail. But this was 1970, 71. And God was just dealing with my soul uh, about, I, w- I was going to be a basketball coach. That's that's all I ever studied. I played two years junior college, and it's what I wanted to do. I, and But the Lord began to deal with me. I had a gentleman ask me, he said, have you ever thought about that God might be calling you and I said well yeah I've thought about it but I've ignored it I, I don't want it I uh, I stay away from from that but uh I finally in a little country revival meeting one night I just went forward and knelt down and and I said Lord I'm yours and if you want me and uh, so I was uh, I started 17 mm. and little country churches just started matter of fact in 2 weeks so the week from this Sunday I will preach at a homecoming service in the where I gave my first sermon ever I preached. Oh, my. Uh, I'll be back on the mountain, as I call it, in North Alabama, and uh, preaching there to honor their pastor and their pastor appreciation month and homecoming mm. kind of day. Uh, so I just started and started preaching. And, uh, you know, they just throw you to the fire. I mean, nobody taught me, and uh, yeah. I just just did it. Yeah. And that's the way you did where I was from in, in the rural area. And my pastor put me in the back of his car, bullhorn on either side, out the window, and a microphone sitting in the back, and he'd ride out through the country. And he'd say, just preach. And so I'd just preach. And uh, (laughs) I told him one day, I said, Brother Patton, I, I said, "There's nobody out here but cows. It's, it's all." I see, "He said, son, when you're ready for people, I'll take you to town." And uh, <laughs> and he was a man of his word. And finally, he let me preach at home. Uh, so that's was the start and uh, the call to ministry in in my life. Went home, told my dad. I said, "God's called me to ministry," and he said, "I often say the greatest words I've ever received." Dad looked at me and he said, "Well, son, if you know what God's got for you to do, you better get about doing it."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I've been trying to get about doing it ever since. And that's what, what that does. That's how I started. Then two years junior college basketball, then here to Samford as a junior student. And, uh, Man, I cannot thank this institution enough for the H-Day program was called then. I think it's called Samford Days now, if I've got it right. I can't Mm -hmm. remember. But the H-Day was for old Howard College, and they'd send us out to these rural associations out, you know, and we'd just, they'd say, you, 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 and you go here, 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 and there. And you'd go to Ebenezer, New Home, New Hope, wherever. And you'd preach, and they'd bring you back. But I preached for a year and a half all over Alabama. Mm. And if I have any skill, that's where I honed it.
1: What a great way uh, to practice. Oh, yes. And we don't do it as much anymore as we used to. Yeah. We still do it, of course, but mm-hmm. it used to be a really big deal. Yeah. Well, I went
0: every Sunday. Uh, I mean, I just signed up. I said, that's what I want to do. I loved it. And if I'm going to
1: learn, let's go. So, and in my uh, experience, some of the older people, particularly in smaller churches out in the country, they love it when they oh, have a, a young boy come yes. and preach for them and they get yeah. to cheer him on and encourage him in the, in the faith and the practice of ministry. That's right. Yeah. yeah
0: no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. Amen.
2: Well, the Lord took you uh, from a small town in Alabama, eventually out to Fort Worth, Texas, and then at some point to Pensacola, uh, Florida, where you've been uh, for the last 32 years at Mm -hmm. this church. How did the Lord bring you to Pensacola, to Olive Baptist, and what's your secret to longevity and ministry?
0: My wife and I, after we remember, we... uh, Uh, moved to to Fort Worth, went to school, and then First Baptist Church, Henrietta, Texas, called me. I was there seven years. This is a county seat town, church run about three, 350 in Sunday school. But I'd never pastored a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, there was a white collar. I was a rural kid. And so I learned some things there that uh, those are gracious people to me. And Mm -hmm. so— you know, people are people, but there's a little difference in people making money and not in different things of that nature and education background. And from there, I went to Garland, Texas, which is the largest suburb of Dallas. stayed three years in a wonderful suburban church mm-hmm. and learned some things about life. I, you know, I'd never lived in the city before. But then Pensacola came calling in 1990, and I turned them down twice and just said, no, it's not time to go. Uh, But God gave me Isaiah 41 was the passage that I went to Pensacola on. And and I can take you through that passage and show you the promises that God made to me. Mm. And in that passage, he talks about uh, that he will be strength if you will be a worm. And I said, Lord, I'm really not into wormology. I don't want to be a worm. But God broke me, 1997, that I talked about in chapel a little bit uh, this morning was uh, part of that but we answered the call I I told them no and uh, the phone, I told my wife we get in bed one night and I said what would we do if they called us again and the phone rang, I mean immediately (laughs) and and they said we'd like to talk again and I said okay and so we wound up going and uh, so we arrived there and uh, with two little children in tow and pulled into town on uh, Halloween of 1990, that's my anniversary date coming up in two weeks here that uh, will be 32 uh, years and You know, if you're going to pastor a church for a long time, uh, you've got to change. I don't mean the church has to change. It'll change, but you've got to change. And so when you arrive and then add 32 years to your life, you have different seasons yourself. Your children grow up, and then they get married, and then you have grandchildren, and you move from first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and, and through. And so you have to change, but then you have to leave the church to change. As I have said, you know, longevity is a great thing, but it's not all honey and no bees. I mean, it, it, it. there's some tough things there. A lot of guys get in trouble, they leave, they go somewhere else. Well, if you don't leave, you're going to have to deal with whatever that guy was probably leaving. And I tell people, I probably pastored three, maybe four churches since I've been there. Mm. Uh, it's changed. Uh, hurricanes changed us a lot. And uh, it, it was a very blue-collar church when I came. And then uh, in our ministry village, we've reached to the poverty-stricken, to the uh, down and out and people with nothing. And at the same time, we, we've reached up and out. Uh, when I arrived, if I said uh, all the lawyers meet me in the uh, vestibule, one guy would have showed up. Well, my son went to law school. I asked the lawyers to come and see him and take him for dinner, and 18 guys showed up Mm -hmm. and a couple of ladies. Uh, And so there were 18 of of these. So all of a sudden, there was more white collar. Mm -hmm. At the same time, poverty, but that great middle was still there. And so if the church is not changing, it's going to die. But if the preacher's not changing, he's going to die. And so I found both of those things are If they're secrets, I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, I think they're keys at least to longevity.
1: Yeah. I'd love for our listeners to know a little bit about uh, what you're most excited about at Olive Baptist Church these days. What's going on? Uh, What are the ministries like? And Kristen and I know you have a significant television and radio ministry. Some of our uh, Beeson alums uh, who've always wondered what that's like may enjoy hearing a little bit from you about what it's like pastoring a church that has that sort of ministry as well.
0: Well, television has been a big part of Olive. I inherited it when I came there. It was the old Axe Network that Southern Baptist had where Olive started. And then I came and Axe went away after a while. And so we've stayed on uh, the cable uh, across Northwest Florida. And then our radio ministry reaches uh, with the networking uh, in a lot of different places up in Iowa and South Florida, different folks uh, of that nature. Television is now really legacy people watch television. Mm-hmm. We do 5 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, Saturday clock, uh, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, week delayed. But we were always doing the internet broadcast kind of thing. But then a COVID, you know, just blew all that up. Mm-hmm. And so we've ramped that up. And, uh, uh, you're, I mean, you know, these guys, I mean, I don't even think about these wires and buttons and stuff. I, I just preach the message and they take care of it. And I hire good people and, and they take good care of me in that way. And they tell me, pastor, we've got to do this, 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 and this, but I hear it from the folks and I get mail it really broadens your horizon and gives you a greater reach. But, uh, you know, I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a television preacher. You know, it's the hardest thing for me to do is get my mind outside that room that somebody else is listening. And I had to do that during COVID, Uh, but I like this Face to face, you know, I, I I like you to grin or something, and uh, you know, cuss. I, I just but to, you know something. respond to me, man. You know, and uh, that you know that was the hardest preaching during COVID when it was an empty room and a camera, mm. and I did that for a few weeks. And I mean, I like to die,
2: yeah. and
0: uh, but I I got through it, and uh, we all did. But that uh, has really uh, expanded our ministry than the social side of what we do. That we had really never done before, and all of that came out of some of the hurricanes and storms, and started our Caris uh, House Ministry to ladies. Has got uh, two hundred of them have gone through in the last fifteen years. A residential program, they eighteen months with us. Uh, matter of fact, this Sunday is our graduation for the next group that that go through. And uh and is that, that excites something
1: me. you set out with a mind to do. I mean, I. We're just getting to know each other. I sure. don't want to claim I know you better than I do, but you seem to me to be very much a gospel man, a Bible preacher sort of man. Yes. Did you fall into this? What was it like oh, God, pastoring man. a church where you were going through all these sorts of uh, ministry yeah. changes? Oh,
0: God, you know, I came, you know, scratching and screaming. I, because I'd been taught at Southwestern Seminary that the social gospel side of things was, was really more liberal and it didn't have a gospel in it. And so stay away from that and a lot of that is true and and you have to drag social ministry back to the gospel because it will it will drift to just do good and doing good Good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus said that. and Amen. But I had a lady came to and sat in my office. Jean raised her name. She's in heaven now, I think. Uh, she's been my dear, dear friend, and I kidded her a lot. But uh, Jean would come every year, and she'd say, Pastor, we need a social worker on this staff. We have too many hurting. I said, okay. she go, I wasn't going to do that. I, but she finally, she looked at me one day, and she said, have you ever read Matthew 25? <laughs> I said, I've read the whole Bible. She said, you don't act like you've read Matthew 25. <laughs> She said, Jesus said, do the, the least of these. Mm-hmm. It's the only person ever asked to leave my office. Mm-hmm. Never before. Mm-hmm. She left, but the Holy Ghost didn't. Mm-hmm. And he dealt with me about that. Mm-hmm. And so i that's where Carous House came from, was just God's conviction through my sweet friend, Jean Ray, that was kind of mean with me one day. Mm-hmm. But the Lord roughed me up about it. And so I said, OK, we'll start. And uh Boy, when when those girls come and they get saved and uh, and man, they live for God, that is, it thrills this preacher. Mm-hmm. It really does. Mm-hmm.
2: You've been with a lot of young men and women preparing for ministry today here on campus, and. Uh, so I have them in mind, but what would you say to a young person who is preparing for pastoral ministry, for a preaching ministry? What have you learned from your experience in ministry that you would want to say to the upcoming uh, pastors, preachers, ministers of the gospel?
0: Lionel Patton, my pastor, told me, a call, to pre- a call to preach is a call to prepare. A call to preach is a call to prepare. I, I, he said it a thousand times. And because where I'm from in rural Northeast Alabama, there are some people who believe education is the antithesis of spirituality, but I tell them, you need to get you learning and you burning. I mean, you got to put both those things together. The anointing of God's got to come, but you need to have a razor sharp mind too. But it's a balance of that. So uh, if you've been called to preach, called to ministry, it's called to prepare. So let's go, let's get with it if you have opportunity, but... Don't wait till you have a degree until you start, because you learn some things by doing. I remember at Southwestern Seminary, some of the poor chaps that were in there, they preached their first sermon in preaching lab. I mean, in front of the Sanhedrin. I mean, you know, we were the worst crowds you could ever preach to. I mean, you talk about a bunch of, you know, legalists. I mean, we were awful. And we just cut this over. But, you know, a guy that didn't have. So it's do and learn Mm -hmm. to these. And I have 12 young preachers in my church right now. One of them is a a freshman student here. He was in chapel with us today. Mm -hmm. Sam, just to find he's going to be a good man and good preacher. And I tell him, just do it, Sam. And so he's here and learning. And. Mm And all of a sudden, I've got these guys, and I meet with them on an ongoing basis, and uh, we challenge each other. And probably the best thing I ever did with them, I had a real tough death that had come to a younger person. Mm -hmm. The family was coming to see me, and it was at the same time I'd already planned for these guys to be. And I asked the family, I said, can I just let these guys sit in the corner back over and let them watch me deal with you about this funeral? Mm And they were thrilled to to let them do it. And so they just sat there quiet, you know, and, but man, they, they learned things. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, first time I've ever asked you a funeral, I'd never seen that before. Mm -hmm. So you ask about what, this is what lights this older preacher's fire now Mm -hmm. is pouring that uh, Psalm 71 into them that Psalm 71, Lord, don't let me die till I see this generation and generation coming to see your strength and power. And
1: I want to teach them your strength and power. Dr. Traylor, some of our listeners will know that you have been involved participating in uh, leadership at the state level and even the national level in the Southern Baptist Convention. How has that been for you? What have you learned by participating in leadership in those ways? And of course, we all know Southern Baptists are in the news a lot these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything that you want to say by way of edifying our listeners with respect to how the Lord is engaging and leading and guiding the the Southern Baptists? Well,
0: I am one and have been one and will be one. So uh, I, I, I'm in for the long haul. And uh, Southern Baptists have been good to me. They educated me on this campus here at Stanford University. Uh, you know, they're. Money from the tithe plate paid part of my tuition mm-hmm. while I was here at Samford through Baptist Life, yeah. uh, Southwestern, the same, and and so we've we've always been involved. I like it. I believe in it. Perfect goodness no. We we have a lot of things we have to deal with. Some of which we're dealing with right now, uh, but we've it's always something that uh, you know you got to get better. Uh, but when it comes to home missions and international missions, when it comes to disaster relief, I. I just show me somebody's doing it better. I, I, You know, and you can take that as pride or whatever you want to. I, I just think we are doing a good job yes. with what's been given us to take the gospel to the world. And then you add seminary education mm-hmm. with that, with our six Southern Baptist seminaries that uh, I believe in and have preached in all of their chapels and uh, love those guys, uh, you know, and, and to be back here today at my alma mater on the campus for the first time at and I love what I see going on here in the training the same way uh, that's happening. I know it's not Southern Baptist all, you know, like through the cooperative program, but, but there's still, it's heart deep yes. with uh, Baptist life mm-hmm. uh, that's here. So man, I'm, I'm pro uh, SBC. I'm just for it. I've as you said, been the president of our Florida Baptist Convention and president of the Southern Baptist Convention Pastors Conference and the first vice president. And Brent Wright, who was here last week, uh, defeated me when we ran against against each other for president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He finished first, I finished second. And uh, I went to his party, and we've been friends ever since. And uh, I told him he did me the greatest favor he'd ever done by taking that and letting me go home. So, uh, you know, I'm willing to serve, but I don't have to. I've got plenty to do in Pensacola, Florida, and I'm. But I do love my denomination. I'm I'm for it. We support it big time through our giving. We lead Florida, <laughs> uh, giving money, uh, to our cooperative effort. So uh, you know we're, we're in it and believe in it.
2: We've already mentioned that you've preached in chapel, and we want you, listener, to uh, go to our YouTube channel, Beeson Divinity, and listen to his sermon. You'll find it there in our fall 2022 chapel playlist. But before they leave the podcast to go to the YouTube channel, I wonder if you can give a summary or a teaser of your sermon so they know what to expect.
0: Well, chapel is preaching through the life of David right now, and so my assignment was 2 Samuel 5. Mm when uh, David comes to establish Jerusalem as the capital and he is anointed for the third time. My message entitled The Third Anointing of David, and I talk about the anointed man David was, and I gave three characteristics of this man who was anointed. He was a man of unity, a man of victory, and a man of humility. And then I give a closing illustration that uh, is... The best illustration I have, and I've used it more than any other, and I, it fit into the life of David from Second Samuel today. and uh, So I use that, and I think they'll enjoy. Uh, if you need a word of encouragement or know some preacher that needs a word of encouragement, that uh, message might
1: help them today. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of pastors out there who would love to have three laymen like you had in that story. Yes, so sir. That's a great reason to tune in and listen to this sermon online.
0: I preached it the other day in a... and. A young preacher came to me, opened his Bible, and he had a note in there where I had preached this sermon years ago, and a guy wrote him, and he said, pastor, and gave his name, he said, I will be one of your three men, and he had that taped in the front of his Bible. (laughs) And I tell you, that's been repeated over and over and over and over again as I've preached this particular message and used this illustration how God really saved my ministry.
1: I'm not surprised. Well, Dr. Trailer, Kristen and I always like to conclude our podcast uh, interviews with guests by asking them what the Lord's doing in their lives these days. Is is God teaching you something, even now, that we might conclude with uh, by way of edifying our listeners? Well, there,
0: doctors, there's a couple of things, I guess. I already alluded to one of them, and, and that's with these young men. And and God's teaching me that I'm not a young man anymore. And I've, I'll i be 69 here in a few weeks. Uh, and so uh, I, I'm learning what it means to be the uh, the older guy in the room with these younger men, and uh, you don't have to like it to do it. I mean, I I, I don't like it. I still kind of feel like I can go, but I, I've got good sense enough to know, uh, you know, where I am. Uh, but it really thrills me to be able to pour into these uh, these folks. But I'll tell you one other thing: I'm learning. I'm an only child of a 91-year-old mother in memory care. Mm -hmm. And I'm dealing with a generation, not only these young men coming behind me, but there's a generation older than I am. Alzheimer's, dementia. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm learning some things about loving some people I've never known how to love before. Mm -hmm. And so to take a walk with my 91-year-old mother and, just hold her hand and tell her I love her and she can't remember a whole lot of things. God's teaching this old preacher mm-hmm. some patience. Love your mother. She poured into you. Now pour into her. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've got it on both sides with the young preachers and then an elderly mother that uh, my soul, she changed my life. And uh, I'll I'll love her forever. She She listens to me every Sunday in the memory care unit, they have a big television and they come and they tell me she lights up when I come on. And uh, mm-hmm. But the nurse told me the other day, said that, I came to get your mother for the 9.30 service and said, Miss Jean LaSchool, Brother Ted's about to preach, and she's late that day. She's eating breakfast. And said mother looked up and said, I've heard him before.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and she went ahead and finished breakfast that day. A little late to church. But, it, you know, you have to laugh to keep from crying your, your heart out. But, oh, that lady. Uh, so I, those are the things I'm learning. Down the line to the young, mm. up the ladder to my dear mother. Mm. That, uh I love it all my soul. Mm.
1: Wonderful. And a great way to conclude this podcast recording. Listeners, you have been paying attention to the Reverend Dr. Ted Trailer, or Brother Ted, Brother Trailer, as he refers to himself. He is the senior pastor of Ala Baptist Church in Pensacola, Florida. He preached with us today. Please go online and listen to his marvelous sermon. Dr. Trailer, thank you for your investment today in Beast Divinity School. You're a wonderful alumnus of Sanford and a great representative. So grateful for you and your ministry and this gift of time that well, you've given us. Thanks to
0: both of you for letting me sit in and be here today.
1: And listeners, thank you for tuning in. As ever, we want you to know we love you. We're praying for you. We ask you to pray for us in the Lord's work here at Beeson Divinity School. Goodbye for now.
2: You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast.